On this episode of The Fieldhouse Files, I'll go one-on-one with Cassius Stanley about his opportunity at the All-Star Slam dunk contest and becomes the first player on a two-way contract to be invited. Then, I'll talk with Mad Ants general manager Brian Levy as the team wrapped up its 15-game season this week down in the bubble at Orlando. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Hi again, everybody. Welcome back into the podcast. I'm Scott Agnes, and we've made it almost halfway through the NBA season. We're now at the much-needed break, both physically and mentally, for teams, and I think especially for the training staff, as they have just been overwhelmed with care for both COVID as well as just daily care for knees, ankles, soreness, that kind of stuff. 95% of games were played. The other 5% were postponed due to either positive COVID tests or contract tracing. And while it didn't directly strike the Pacers, they did have three games postponed, and they're going to have to make those up on the other end of the schedule. They're 16-19 and 19 through 35 of the 72 games, and it's been a rough patch over the last three weeks or so. They dropped from 4th to 10th in just a matter of a losing streak. They lost four in a row, and that can be made up easily, but not necessarily the case when you have a terribly difficult schedule coming up. We'll get into that in an upcoming show, but that's just how bunched up the teams are. Now, Demonis Sabonis was named the replacement player in the Eastern Conference for Kevin Durant, who's out with hamstring soreness, so Domas is involved for the second straight year at All-Star Weekend, and because of it, also receives a nice incentive worth a cool $1.3 million. Remember, last year was the final year of his rookie contract. This was a part of his contract extension year one this year, which includes a nice incentive for being an All-Star. Now, this is a much different situation than last year. Remember, we were in Chicago. It was supposed to be an Indy this year. And at a normal All-Star weekend, you're there for three, maybe four days. There was a an event with kids. He's at sponsorship appearances, at parties, out to nice dinners with his family, maybe his agent, all leading up to the big game on Sunday. Obviously not the case there. He'll barely be there 24 hours. He will be joined, though, by his fiance as well as his sister. And Domas will also have a teammate there, but a guy he hadn't seen for more than a month. That's rookie Cassius Stanley, one of three competitors in the featured slam dunk contest. Now, again, there's no events on Saturday. This will all go down Sunday night. The dunk contest taking place at halftime of the featured all-star game. So before that, earlier this week, I talked with Cassius about his time in the bubble how he learned that this was an opportunity, and he went back and forth on it, created a pros and cons list. And then once he was in, he even reached out to two former Pacers who were in the dunk contest to get their opinion and then shared how he's preparing. Here's that conversation. All right, Cassius, talking with you here for the first time in a month. You've kind of been away from the the Pacers down in the bubble. Just generally, how are things going for you? How have you been able to hold up? Um, Everything's been great. I mean... The whole the whole point is coming down here, playing, developing. Um, so you know that's that's first and foremost. And so being able to do that uh, makes everything a lot easier. What do you miss the most? Is it food? Is it family? Um, what do you think about missing out on right now? Um, honestly, there isn't much I really miss out on. Um, you know, I mean, everything down here has been you know top notch. Um, food has been, I've been able to work on the food. I've been able to, you know, 
pretty much nail everything I need to nail. Obviously not seeing, um, you know, family and things like that. But, um, you know, it, it's the perfect amount of time, which is about, you know, a little over a month. Yeah, not too bad. About a dozen games here um, or so. Do you mm-hmm. do you talk with your Pacer teammates? I know you're a rookie, so you probably haven't yet established a great relationship with any of them, but are you staying in frequent contact? Uh, yeah. Um, I talked to TJ McConnell. He's a, he's one of my funny guy. Most favorite people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, if you say, who do I miss? Definitely TJ McConnell. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He has an incredible way to connect with everyone. I don't care where you're from, your background. That's one of his biggest talents that I've learned in dealing with in the last couple of years is he connects with everybody and has friends all over the league. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I miss him and, and Doug and Denver. We always like mm-hmm. every day we'll always come in and talk about college basketball. They'll get on me about Duke. Um, so, you know, having those guys is, is, is definitely fun. Big news will be this weekend. You'll wrap up the G League season this week and then go straight to Atlanta. Take me back to this weekend when you were alerted that this was a possibility. Would you like to do this? Who did you hear from and how did you think it over? Did, did you need much time? Um, I did need some time uh, just because I came off a foot injury during the bubble. That was um, that was definitely a thought in my mind was, you know, I don't want to do it if I'm not healthy. And I'm just starting to get healthy. I was I was just starting to get healthy when I was first alerted um, about a week ago. Um, so, you know, I was kind of hesitant. And then when they officially invited me, um, I already got healthy. I already, you know, got a couple more games in. And so I, I felt more comfortable with my injury. And I felt like I was pretty much close to 100. So um, then it was just about, you know, do I want to do it? And, um, you know, it, it, I, I definitely went back and forth with talking to everyone. It was, it was kind of just like it was a no-brainer. And then once I started to really think about it, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to be in a dunk contest. This has been a dream of mine. So, you know, why not go for it? Who, who made that call to you? Was it Kevin, Chad, your agent? Um, first, they called my dad. And my dad being my agent, mm-hmm. he kind of came to me as an agent, not a dad. So um, technically yeah. my agent. <laughs> um, and then Chad called me. And I, I really talked to Chad. Um, he was one of the biggest people who kind of, you know, helped me make the decision. Um, because whatever, whatever, you know, they all, they, they called me and they said, you know, this is what it is. I, I was always going to call and check in with Chad and or KP or somebody who, um, you know, just wanted to get their, get their take. And, you know, me and Chad talked about 20, 25 minutes and, um, he really just helped me. He, he kind of laid out the pros and cons. Um, and, you know, he said, you know, everyone, the Pacers top to bottom is going to be right is supporting me with my decision and, and whatever. Uh, I do. And so, you know, just knowing I had that, that, that support of, you know, everyone in the organization, um, that kind of really just, you know, swayed me to, to do it. It seems like if you have your health, which you say you now do, it's kind of a no brainer because yeah. of a chance for you to build your brand a little bit, become yeah. known a little bit around the league as you aren't getting those reps with the Pacers. Plus we've seen you a little bit, what you can do, um, dunking. So you can sh- show that off a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I, I mean that was definitely um, one of the biggest parts. Like basically, the way you broke it down was kind of my my, my logical reason. <laughs> you make a pros and cons <laughs> list for yourself, maybe. Yeah, no, it was exactly how it was. I made it, and then um, I made it myself, and then I would ask people, you know, and then I would see if their pros and cons lined up with mine. And for the most part, everyone who's whose you know opinion I, I really valued and respected theirs 
lined up pretty pretty close to mine. So then I was like, you know, this is this is what I'm going to do. You're the tenth pacer to to take part in the dunk contest. A couple players have won it, um, and most recently we saw Victor. We've seen Glenn Robinson the third. Have you always been a, a guy that's followed the dunk contest? Do you have any inspirations leading into this weekend? Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since like I was super young. I mean, I remember. You know, always around All-Star Weekend, you know, they would always do it on um, like the replays on NBA TV and I'd watch it, you know, like it's like it's a homework assignment or something. So, yeah, you know, I can pretty much give you every single winner every single year. Um, I like if there was a dunk contest trivia, I'd clearly win. Um, so that actually, that actually helps me knowing now that I'm going to be in it and knowing, you know, any any time I'm thinking of a dunk, I'm like, OK, well, has this been done or. Has this been done? Can I add a, a, a spice or a variation to it? Um, and so, you know, I, I, you know, during this time, I've watched dunk contests and, you know, it's pretty much like second nature to me, like watching these contests and, and knowing what dunks you're going to do and what dunks worked and what didn't work. Do you have any relationship with, with Glenn? Or I know you, Victor, you were with for a couple of years. Any other guys that have already participated in the game and you've been able to, to call upon and get their advice because they have been through it? Yeah, I actually texted Victor um, two days ago and, okay. and asked for, you know, what is the his best advice leading up to it, and he kind of he's done said, it twice like, too. Yeah, he did it twice. So he he said, you know, don't wear yourself out. Obviously, you want to practice and make the dunks beforehand, but obviously, you want to save your legs for the big day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a contrast. And then um, I actually texted another pacer, which is Paul. Um, oh yeah, and he he gave me the best advice, which was just like, you know, go out there, have fun. It's your show. It's your spotlight. Um, and, and just use it that way. Just, just know, like, you know, it's going to be three or four guys and it's your spotlight. Like this is obviously the all-star game is the all-star game. Um, but you, everyone knows, you know, the Saturday night, even though it's technically Sunday, but you know, everyone watches that dumb contest. So make it your show. And, um, you know, those two, those two helping me out with that advice was, was really big. And because so this will go on at halftime, not All Star Saturday. So perhaps actually even more people will be watching, already watched watching the game and looking forward to this dunk contest. So you might have yeah, even exactly. more eyes on you. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I mean, that was another thing that, that I thought about too. Um, and people told me I didn't really actually I didn't think too much about it. Um, but that was something that, you know, people were like, you know, it's gonna be during All Star and you might have more eyes, but um you know that, like you said, that's going to be it's going to be a, a big, a bigger deal, probably. You mentioned talking with Paul George. Let me guess the connection here. PG is close with B. Shaw, who is represented or at least was with your dad. Is that correct? Is that yeah, how, yeah. how you got plugged um, together? Yeah, in a way. And then um, we we kind of had the same trainer uh, when I was younger, Mike Pinberthy. He's uh, okay, sure, a, a coach on the Lakers now. Yeah, so um, there were t- you know I worked out with him probably a couple summers I can't remember. so um you know he definitely helped me he's helped me out throughout the year just like yo I need a barber and he sent me a barber yeah I needed some good food spots so he's actually been super helpful that's really cool and that's the stuff a lot of fans and even some of us in the media don't see those relationships of guys that you're not even in the city with have you done a scouting report at all on your competition? It's going to be Obi Toppin another rookie as well as Anthony Simons do you know anything about their dunk game um, I mean, I know they're both super athletic, um, and I know they both. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. I, I mean, it's, 
it's so weird because you can't really scout <laughs> because it's like, right. you know, you you know they're athletic, you know they can do stuff, but it's like obviously they're not going to be trying dunk contest dunks um, for people to see at least. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like I said, it's going to be a really good competition because they're both um, extremely high-level athletes. I need one thing clarified. Before the draft, your notes in the packet said you had topped Zion's vertical leap at Duke. Zion's was 45. Yours for the pre-draft was 44. So what was yeah. your Duke that topped Zion? Do you remember? 46. 46. You did top him at 46. Yeah, yeah. Did you make a big it deal was... about that? Was that something Coach K, maybe your strength coach, was nah, yeah, really was excited pretty, about? It was pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean, just like, um, obviously it top Zion, but it was, you know, Zion held the record for all time right. Duke. So, um, you know, yeah, I top Zion, but I also have the record at Duke. Um, so, you know, anytime you can break a record and hold a record at a, at an institution and a basketball program with, um, you know, such standing history is, is a big, big deal. You talked about leading up to the dunk contest. How important as an active viewer do you think it is to hit on your first, maybe second attempt? Because I think that's been one of the troubles we've seen the last couple of years is guys going five, six attempts deep, maybe even having to change the dunk, and then you get reduced on your points. Yeah, um, I mean, that's what I'm really worrying about right now is okay. trying to find the contrast and blend of creativity, difficulty, but also um, – ability to make it on the first, if not second try. Um, so that's kind of where it is. Cause I mean, obviously you can go and try the craziest dunk in the world and, you know, take 10 times, but that just obviously takes away from the, the, the shock element and the, the flair. So um, I, I think I've, I've come down to three to four dunks that I know I can make consistently and know have never been done in the dunk contest. Do you remember when you first could dunk? Was it a huge deal for you? Um, yeah, it was like sixth grade going to seventh grade, I think. Yeah. Or I finished sixth grade and then I went to this other school in seventh grade. So it was like I just finished sixth grade and then orientation was for this other school was like a couple weeks after. So I was technically in sixth, <laughs> but it was like that in-between stage. Um, and it was at orientation and I, I was like just messing around in the gym. And I never – fully gotten a clean dunk before then and it kind of just happened and then ever since then it kind of just like just sped off and it just went on to you know where we are now and this is this will be your first true dunk contest right i'm sure you've done it with buddies in the yeah. past but this is the first meaningful one yeah yeah for the most part and there, there's obviously some money on the line for you and also have you have you seen where um for for different um awards they're going to be given away to HBCUs and COVID release type of stuff. So in an indirect way, you're able to help impact um, and give back a little bit too with what you're doing. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I saw the list and um, what, what intrigued me the most was how much I could help, um, you know, other, other HBCUs and COVID relief. And um, you know, there was a, there's, there's a institution, um, Charles Drew university, of um, medicine and science, which is in Los Angeles. And um, me being from Los Angeles, I, I know that's, that definitely, you know, hit. And I was, um, you know, that definitely caught my eye. And I'm probably going to, you know, more than likely I'm going to choose that one um, because it holds it holds a lot to me. I want to be able to impact my community. Um, and, you know, there's a there's a, there's a, uh, a basketball league in the summer 
um, that's really historic in Los Angeles. It's called the Drew League. That's sure. played at yeah. at Charles Drew. Um, so it only made it was it was it was a perfect fit. So um, being able to help the community of um, you know South Central Los Angeles is is going to be a big deal. Some guys come out in addition to their dunk put on a show. We saw I think Victor sang New York in the dunk contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul had a special like neon jersey. Yeah. Are you a yeah, flair yeah. guy or are you going to let your dunk talk or maybe a combination? Uh, I'm usually a flair guy, but um, with it being such short notice and um, having to get, you know, get things approved. I think like I had to get it approved like the day after they asked me. So um, I'm more than likely will not have any extreme props. Um, <laughs> sure. But, but, but don't, but you never know. I mean, I might think of something today or tomorrow that I would have to get expedited. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm definitely a flair guy. So, you know, don't count it out, but I know my dunks will, will definitely speak, speak volumes. And I, you probably don't want to give stuff away, but you'll also have a teammate that'll be down there that you could potentially use. Is that under consideration using Domas, who's the one of the best passers in the league, in fact? Um, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't thought about it yet, but it's definitely it might be one dunk that I need an assist. Um, so I, I know Domas, he'll be my first call for sure. <laughs> what, what are your emotions going into this weekend? Is it a little bit of nerves? Probably just because of the shortened timeline, this all coming together so quickly, and in, in a week you have to go do it. Um, a little bit of nerves. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be fun, man. Yeah. Um, it's it's a great experience and great opportunity to you know, like like you said, also it's a it's huge opportunity for um, you know bigger than basketball really. So just me being in a competition helps um, in HBCU. Um, and COVID relief. So, you know, it's, it's just going to be a really fun event. And then last thing, just coming back, you'll rejoin the Pacers after the all-star break right now. They're on a, a losing streak have needed bodies with more injuries. Do you feel like, should you get healthy and be able to really potentially help impact this team at that guard spot? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just here to, I'm, I'm going to be happy to you know be able to do whatever I can. Just staying ready, um, right? Staying ready. That's that's really it, and um, you know, being able to be down here and um, get my rhythm back and playing games um, was a huge experience, and just you know, gradually getting better each game, um, and, and just working on things that I, I need to touch up on, and you know, knock the rest off has been great. Next up, it's Brian Levy. He just completed his sixth season as general manager of the Mad Ants, which is the Pacers G League affiliate, and they were one of seventeen NBA teams to send their G League affiliate into the Orlando bubble. And that's because it wasn't cheap, requiring more than $500,000 each to cover it. Now, the Mad Ants went 6-9 and nine through the 15 games and did not qualify for the postseason. And they also had a new coach, Tom Hankins, who was brought on as an assistant coach for player development with the Pacers last year. He slid over, replaced Steve Ganzi, whose contract was not renewed in the fall. During my conversation with Brian, we talked about the odd season, living life in the bubble, Coach Hankins taking over and much more. Enjoy. All right, as promised, I'm now joined by Mad Ants General Manager Brian Levy, joining me from his hotel room inside the bubble. One of the last few days for the Mad Ants, they've wrapped up their season, 15-game season there inside the bubble. And uh, Brian, first of all, what's the first thing? What are you looking forward to? You get back to Fort Wayne. What have you missed the most? Uh, family, of course. You yeah. know, Just uh, see my wife, been 
between quarantining and uh, you know the preseason stuff and heading into the bubble, it's been like a month and a half, two months since I've seen my wife. So that that'll be the number one priority. You just wrapped up uh, your daily COVID testing at this point. You've done it probably what five weeks or so. Just kind of get used to it. It's your daily thing. You check it off and then move on. Yeah, it's a uh, you know part of the price you pay for making sure everybody's safe around you and you're safe for everybody else. So it's it's really not that bad. It's not one of those. Uh, deep digs into the brain there it's uh just like the frontal no swab and uh an oral swab so you know really can't complain too much so you guys are at the main hotel where like the lakers stayed during um the bubble did you by chance get a balcony are you did you get fortunate enough to to enjoy that outside weather no uh, no we, we're in coronado springs casita so it's like uh you know when i say like motel set up like the doors go outside it's not like that per se, but the, the doors do open up to the outside in a beautiful 75 degree days, most days here in Orlando. Love so uh, while we don't have balconies, we do have direct access out to the beautiful weather. Beyond a TV or phone, what was what was the must have item it turned out to be for your room to get past this? Um, you know, I bought a, a fire stick, which has been huge, um, you know, just to be able to watch League Pass and, and all those things. Um, you know, trying to read a little bit and do some things that are non-technology based. But, uh, you know, more than anything, we were just our days were full of basketball, whether it was, you know, practice or games or, you know, uh, we're here also scouting uh, the other other teams. So, you know, it's like three or four games a day that you're trying to get in while you're trying to, you know, make sure your team's doing good. So, you know, every once in a while, throw something on the fire stick to watch and get your mind away. But, Outside of that, uh, I can't say there's too much time for anything else. So when the Mad Ants weren't playing, to be clear, you were able to attend to scout the other games? Is that right? Cor- correct, yeah. And then you know, luckily a lot of the games run ESPN Plus too. So you know, even if you wanted to catch a, a bit of a game here and there, you could just throw it on ESPN Plus and you didn't have to trek all the way over to the gym. But we tried to make sure you know, with advanced scouting purposes and, and player personnel scouting that you know, we had staff members at, at more or less every game that we could go to. Yeah, I think I know Ryan Carr, director or vice president of player personnel, had been down there, is down there, um, and able to just scout these. What is different, though, about attending a game for you? What type of things are you able to watch um, where you aren't on TV? And most, the thing that comes most of mind is kind of body language, interactions on the bench while cameras maybe showing plays at the other end of the floor. Yeah, 100%. You know, when they're close up to somebody on the free throw line you don't really get a lot of watching that on tv but when you're there you can hear especially in an empty gym you can just hear so much the interactions between coaches and the players the players and each other visiting teams how you know how players are talking to referees and body language where they're going after they get subbed out or they look like they're upset or they go in and you know getting back to the bench and getting their mask on and and doing what they're supposed to and then cheering on their teammates helping you know, you just pick up so many of those little body language things that, you know, you can't see on TV because you're only able to see what the camera shows you at any given time. Was this the most challenging year just because of all the external factors on top of the daily workload you would have of evaluating your, your team as well as players throughout the league? Yeah, it was really tough. I think, you know, more than anything, you got a lot of players in this league, our team and, and other teams that hadn't really played and. 11, 12 months. And so you just got a lot of on the fly, both with your team, on the fly with your coaching staff and guys who had worked together, trying to develop chemistry, trying to get people to stay healthy because, you know, you're coming off an 11 month layoff and 
you're trying to ramp up real quick and and make sure everyone's can participate fully in this whole thing. So there was just so many different factors to evaluate. We had some players with visa concerns and we had a couple injuries and we had just enough of a bumpy road that I don't think it was exactly how we wanted it to go. But overall, I I think it was just an awesome opportunity to, to play basketball where you know, it was in doubt there for a little bit, but, you know, we got a chance to get on the floor. We got a chance to get some of these guys evaluated, developed. Um, and so, you know, while it was difficult, it definitely the positives outweigh the negatives. What was it like for you in the fall? I mean, I was tracking All-Star Weekend, whether we'd have it in Indy or not. We didn't know when the NBA season would be. I even heard maybe February, maybe March. Now, ultimately, it started in late December um, you guys had the option of not even participating in this G League bubble. What went into some of those decisions, and, and um, what was it just like having that great unknown there for quite a while? Yeah, I, you know, in our conversations that I've had with KP and Chad and those guys, there, there was never one time where I felt like they did not want to play. I think they valued the opportunity to, you know, get some of these guys on the floor, um, you know, Cassius, Brian, Jalen, guys who hadn't, and weren't expected to play a lot for the Pacers. You just can't expect a guy to go, you know, 11-month break and then this whole season and then whenever summer league might be. You can't expect a guy to go 18 months without getting an opportunity to see the floor and see live action and get, get used to the speed and, you know, you name it. So I think from day one it was, hey, let's take advantage of this opportunity. 15 games is better than none. Uh, let's get down there. Let's put a team together and let's let's really give this a go and give ourselves a chance to develop some guys. You maybe had a one week of training camp. Is that it? Yeah, we had like nine days of training camp. That's um, rough. Coming off of uh, 11 straight days where we were stuck in our hotel room and couldn't do anything. So, you know, our strength coach is trying to do some Zoom workouts and put guys through a program, but it's hard to get the heart rate up. And uh, so to go from, you know, sedentary to, you know, practicing for two, three hours a day is all we got. You know, there was no ability to get back in for additional shots or a lift or, you know, whatever. It was like treatment, meals, practice. And that's pretty much all we could do, obviously, in tests. So um, it was a lot to, you know, try to get going. Obviously, a new system. None of our guys had really played in that before. Um, and, and our coaches are just trying to get everybody up to speed. So it was a, it was a lot packed into a short amount of time for sure. Yeah, Brian, the combination, I thought, of all the new players um, on top of a new system led the kind of the Nate Bjorkren system trickled down to a brand new Mad Ants head coach um, as well. I mean, that's where the, you know, a week and nine days, whatever it was, just had to make for a tough learning curve for a lot of your players. And they're probably just now, now that the season is over, is kind of just maybe hitting their stride a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about what normally would be the not even a third of the way through the season. Uh, and we're, you know, we're going to be done. So, you know, but everybody was in the same boat, you know, can't make too many excuses. Yeah. Um, it was difficult, but, you know, there's some teams that figured it out and found a way to get going. Um, you know, we we didn't 100% get there in terms of the wins and losses, but I thought we were really, really competitive in every game. I think we, you know, we had eight, eight losses by five points or less. Um, we were in every game in the fourth quarter. And those, like, clutch times are, are you know, opportunities that you can't can't discount you know for Cassius Stanley and Jalen LeCue and Brian Bowen and and then our guys as well you know playing in those clutch moments knowing that every every action means something every defensive possession 
you know, each shot, each choice, you know, leads to a win or a loss, I think is invaluable experience. Um, and I'm glad we were able to, to give that to some of those guys. It should help them as they grow in their career. The challenge with the shortened, condensed season, as well as the NBA, is it's just all um, game after game after game. And therefore, I haven't even been able to yep. watch as much as I would like of your team, just because we have Pacer games every night. Had one last night, have one tonight. So, um, But you mentioned the eight losses by five points or less in every game in the fourth quarter. It, again, that exactly resembles from what we've seen with the Pacers um, here in the, over the last month or so. Yeah, yeah, we, I mean... You know, when you think about it, we, we're playing 15 games in 24 days. So two out of every three days, no matter which days on the calendar you're picking are game days. So once we get rolling, it's really not a lot of practice time, which is similar to the NBA. Um, so you're trying to do a lot of adjustments with film work, um, just, you know, verbalizing to the players because you got to get them off their feet a little bit, too. It's not like you can, you know, choose one of those days and have a two hour practice and really you know, work on some things. So just about, you know, getting better on the fly and uh, these guys absorbing some of that knowledge from the coaches and trying to, you know, get better from the last game. And uh, I know it's tough cross board pacers have had their ups and downs, but you know, I, like you said, they're implementing a new system. You got a new coach that that's really trying to change the way the team plays. And it's not always going to be, you know, smooth sailing every step of the way, but it's about building that foundation and, and getting yourself better so that hopefully later in the season you're clicking on all cylinders. I understand that obviously you want to win. Obviously you want to advance in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the team did not qualify, so the season is over. But especially in this unusual season, does it go back to kind of what you were talking about earlier in terms of putting some of these key guys in, in key situations, um, learning the system, evaluating them? Is that kind of what the season is about for this franchise? Yeah, it really is. You know, it's giving the guys that we liked, you know, from a, an Exhibit 10 standpoint or from a G League standpoint, you know, giving them a fair evaluation and seeing how maybe they fit in our system. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's three, four guys that I think in a pinch could could slide in and, and play with the Pacers and know the system that are good guys, understand what we want. And so that's huge from a, you know, ready player standpoint. And uh, but like we talked about, it's it's the, the Pacer guys experience down here. Uh, playing at the end of games, you know, they're not going to at this point in their careers get that opportunity anywhere else than the G League. So, you know, they're likely not going to be on the floor in the last two minutes of a tied game or an overtime of a Pacer game just yet. So now they get to see what it's like, what the speed is, how much you got to lock in and how mentally prepared you need to be at the end of games when you're physically tired. So, um, you know, like I said, just great experience from top to bottom, got to evaluate staff, got to evaluate, you know, how we do things, how we're implementing things. Um, and so, you know, like I said, a lot more positives than negatives. We would like to win some of these games with that many close games, you know, bounce of the ball a couple different ways. And, you know, we could be in the playoffs. Um, didn't work out that way. But again, you know, there's there's just so much that we can take from this and apply it moving forward. You mentioned guys getting playing time. Yeah, it's so much better for a guy like Jalen LeCue to get 31 minutes per game. Cassius Stanley, 27. Whereas if they're here, Jalen's probably not playing, and Cassius might see three minutes at the end of the game. So they just need reps, and they were able to get that. We did see Cassius um, miss a third of the, the games just because of a foot injury, but he was able to, able to recover um, and now is feeling 
good enough to compete in the dunk contest, which I want to get into. But first, um, go back. You have a new head coach, which means new system, and they're they're following the lead um, as the Pacers, um, of course. What what have you learned and evaluated um, Tom Hankins, who was the head coach this year full-time? He had previously been with the Pacers last year in his first year. Um, more of in a player development role, but that goes hand-in-hand, hand, I think, with what you're trying to get accomplished. Yeah, talk about uh, you know, your first experience in pro basketball, you know, on the coaching side of being thrown into this craziness and, you know, not having a full training camp and and really not being able to work out with your guys as much as you would like. So, you know, definitely a learning experience on the fly for him as well, you know, uh, just like the players, but you know, he's a a, a great dude and, and a great person, so I think that's first and foremost. He he wants what's best for these guys and I think that translates to uh, the guys like understanding that hey this guy really wants to help me he's a he's a good person he tells me the truth and you know he's doing the best he can to put all of us in in the best situations on the floor so um, you know I think couldn't ask to be <laughs> a better opportunity to be baptized by fire I guess no kidding plus just um, the new rules right like there's various things that are different than what he was coaching in in the college game that you have to adapt oh 100 percent yeah there's no you know no media timeouts every four minutes and uh, you know, the, the advanced rules and, you know, there's different transition take fouls and, and the free throw rules are different. There's only one free throw for every, every foul. Um, so there's just a lot of things that, you know, just aren't natural or normal when you have 25 years experience at the division one level and you come into the G league and it, and it might feel a little junky at first, but you know, there's that R and D aspect for the NBA and there's about speeding up the game and making sure that the, the time is spent playing and not, administering fouls and doing all these other things. So yeah, there's, there's a, a bunch of stuff that you got to get comfortable with and um, you know, comfortable to the level that you can make split second decisions at the end of the game. So, you know, we talk about all those close games. Well, that's all opportunities for Tom to get better as well. We saw the challenge first being instituted with the G league and now it's in the NBA. I really like that free throw rule because nobody wants to watch these NBA games and see 45, 60 attempts at the free throw line. What has been your opinion? I think it's been two years in the G league. Is that something you like full time and maybe moved over to the NBA? You know what? I'm not, uh, I'm a little juries out, I guess. On okay. It still um, there, there is a period like, some of the most coaching opportunities you get during the game are during free throws when the coach gets to call the point guard over and talk about the next play or grab somebody about a defensive assignment or whatever it is. There's, there's teachable moments and usually those get imparted, you know, when everything slows down for a free throw. Um, It's a lot harder when there's only one free throw. You know, if you're trying to box out or get back in transition defense, you can't be over on the sideline talking to the coach. Um, So, you know, that gets difficult trying to get your subs in because they have to be in before the first free throw can ah. be difficult too. If, you know, a guy picks up his third foul and you're trying to get your guy in, especially this year when, you know, the social distancing bench, when you got guys trying to take their warmos off from three rows back, jumping over Gatorade coolers, <laughs> um, it yeah. can get a little difficult to get your guys in the game. So, you know, there's, there's positive negatives. You absolutely love the, the, you know, quickened uh, pace of the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, we are a development league and those are development opportunities that are being missed, I think, by just trying to play the game faster. So I kind of come down on both sides. I see the, the appeal from a, uh, a game flow standpoint. Um, uh, but sometimes I think there's, there's just times you, you know, you need that, that time in between free throws to get some stuff done. 
You had a new head coach and also a little bit behind the scenes here. You have a new contact, I, I presume, with with Peter Dinwiddie moving on to the 76ers um, over the offseason. Tom's or uh, excuse me, Nate says he talks with Tom or communicates with with him almost every day about what they're doing, what they're up to. Are you? I believe it's Chad you're talking with, and what kinds of things are you keeping him up to date with with your team and what you ever observing inside the bubble? Yeah, so you know, Peter did a lot for us, and and um, you know, now it's kind of uh, by committee a little bit. So obviously, I'm talking to Chad a lot and, and Ryan in advance okay. uh, about a lot of the player stuff, about you know potential opportunities, whether it's trade or or whatever preseason when we had a chance to sign somebody. Um, you know, talking to Ted Wu uh, a little bit about. You know, cap related things, agent related things, uh, Kelly as well, operational. So it's definitely a, a, a great group. We have a group text that we talk about every game. Uh, guys can make comments, ask questions. Um, you know, they're watching a ton of these games. You can tell by the questions that they're they're asking me. Um, so always doing like a game recap to that text group with all those people. Okay. Um, and then a little back and forth banter just, you know, gets everybody thinking about you know, what they saw in the game, what we need to do better the next time, uh, you know, how to maybe approach our roster, uh, things of that nature. So it's great just to have that open line of communication with everybody in the front office in Indy. Man, that would be a fun group text for me to sneak on or something. I, I bet there's a lot of informative, enlightening conversation going on there on top of, you know, some other stuff. So uh, absolutely, that, that's some good stuff. I want to talk about some of the key players that Pacer fans would know. Let's start with Cassius Stanley, uh, a rookie, an older rookie, though, played just one year um, at Duke. What did you see from him this season? And was this very much without a summer league, just kind of get his feet wet with the pro game a little bit? Yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, the biggest thing with him is just those game reps, seeing the speed, seeing, okay, here's what I need to be in this situation. Here's what I need to do. You know, he's, you know, coming from Duke where, you know, great program, but I think everyone around him was a high level player. And so, you know, there's times where you can fade into the background maybe a little bit and, and here as, you know, a two-way guy and expected to be one of the best players on the team, um, you know, the, he's got to take on more on his shoulders and he's got to figure out how to, how to lead a little bit, how to use his voice. Um, but like I said, a great experience for him to be in the game at the end and, and getting those reps and, and, cr and crunch time. Um, you know, he's working on a shot, uh, a lot, obviously he's a great athlete and get up and down, um, attack the rim with, with aggression, but you know, it's like finding his, his slots, figuring out where he is, uh, you know, on, on the weak side when he's off ball, how to get in the mix, when to cut, when to spot up, you know, get back in defense, match up, like all those things um, that he, you know, you can only get in game. So it was absolutely about getting his feet wet, but there were specific things that he was for sure working on. I also talked with Cassius about his upcoming dunk contest. What I'm sure you've had those conversations as well, and I, I was curious to find he was a little bit reluctant about it, about the pros and cons going into it. But more than anything, I think it's just a good opportunity for him to have some fun, um, raise some money, but also maybe build awareness a little bit about who he is because right now he hadn't gotten that opportunity in the league. Yeah, I know he didn't want to be considered just a dunker. Uh, he wants to be considered an you know, all-around basketball player. But, yeah, from an exposure standpoint, from an experience standpoint, um, you know, you can't guarantee that you're ever going to get that chance to do that again. Um, you know, he, maybe he will, maybe he'll do it three or four more times, but, you know, in case you don't, I think you just got to jump at it to experience it. Um, you know, it's a crazy year, you know, it's going to be an, an all-star that, you know, you'll definitely remember for the rest of your life. And, 
You know, I think he's going to be the first two-way player to ever participate in an NBA. That's right. Anything at All-Star Weekend. So make a little bit of history, too, and, and, you know, making the Mad Ants proud as well as the Pacers. O'Shea Brissett was your top draft pick. 18 points, almost 10 rebounds per game. A standout player. Came from the Raptors system, Raptors 905, and obviously that's where Nate Bjorken came from. How much, if at all, did he have kind of some input, or did you reach out to him at all? Um, Or did he push for O'Shea before the draft? Um, I definitely asked him. I I asked uh, Tyler Marsh to just get some background on him. We we played them last year when he was on his two-way contract with Raptors 905. He's a guy that I've always liked. I mean, he's got size and athleticism and and skill, and he's really been working on his shot and his handle in the offseason. And Man, he, I think he came in with a head start, kind of understanding, you know, uh, Coach Bjorkren's style and what he was expecting because um, some of that stuff they were already doing in Toronto. So I, I think he came in kind of with a little bit of a cheat sheet and kind of understanding what we were doing and just seized the opportunity right away to kind of put his stamp on the team and, you know, c- turned into our leading scorer and leading rebounder. And, uh, you know, same thing with Devin Robinson. You know, he was in that Raptors 905 system as well. So those guys, I think, jumped off the page early on and and kind of understood what we were trying to accomplish. So um, and, and great people, too. I mean, really good dudes. Uh, O'Shea and, and Devin are best of friends and around each other all the time. Um, so it was fun to have those two around. And, and I think those two really helped themselves going into the offseason. You know, I don't I don't know where <clears throat> they might end up, whether it's they get an opportunity to be this year or in the future. But um, you know, they put up great numbers, they worked really hard, great teammates, and, uh, you know, can't speak any more highly than uh, those two guys. It makes it, again, I think reinforces the message that it's about fit. Find a system, find a coach um, that works for you because that's sure. one thing I stress in talking to some draft picks and pre-draft workouts. It's, it's better maybe to go 11th than 6th because of the system or the culture that you are going to, and that seems to be the sure. case with those guys. An opportunity is, is always the key. I mean, it doesn't matter where you go if you can't play. Um, if you're not going to get on the floor, then you know you can never show what you can do. So it's about finding the right place at the right time with a with an organization that believes in you and it's going to give you the opportunity to go out and show it and and not just you know pull the plug on your first rotation. It might not be the best, and that's it. So got to play these young guys for them to get better, and uh, you know it's the reason why we're here. Question I wanted to ask you a couple months ago, never got around to it. You obviously overlapped with Coach Bjorkren in 2014. You were the assistant general manager for the Bakersfield Jam. He was the head coach f- for one season. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember anything in particular about that that year, your initial impressions about him? And also, um, how much did you aid KP in the front office when it came time um, in the fall when they were considering a number of different coaches? Yeah, I, you know, absolutely remember that season. Um, you know, the, the main thing that stands out about that time was – you know, Nate's a, a winner. Um, you know, he came in, he had, I think, three previous seasons of head coaching experience in the G League. He kind of, you know, he'd been an assistant for a championship team. He he knew how to do that. Like, he knew how to win. He knew how to build a program. He knew how to get guys ready to go. Um, you know, we had a really good team. I think we won 35 games, uh, won our division, won the Showcase Cup, um, you know, made it in playoffs. And, if we hadn't had like our three key guys called up, I think we go on a deep playoff run. Um, so that you know that was a fun year from that perspective. Tyler Marsh was on that staff. Um, Dylan was on that staff. Dylan DeBus oh, was on that okay. staff as well. I didn't realize that. Um, Earl Barron was a player on that team. 
Um, so there were definitely a lot of connections from, from that season to the Pacer staff now. Um, you know, I, I had brief conversations with Chad uh, about it. Obviously, they're, they're, they're making decisions at a much higher level and, and contemplating a lot of things, um, you know, but I, I just talked to Chad briefly and, and reiterated how much of a, uh, you know, a, a winner that Nate was when he was in the G League and they understood how to, how to talk to the players and how to be experimental, um, you know, without being, you know, just for the sake of being experimental, but like, you know, trying to get some things done um, at that level. So, um, you know, I'm hoping, you know, with the, with the regular season and we get a 50 game G league season next year, um, his input as to how we do things uh, moving forward and, and stuff is going to be interesting because he's, you know, one of the best to ever do it at the G league level. Yeah. I think both franchises are better when you can collaborate a little bit. And I know in years past, Brian, you've tried, you've half, not just tried, but brought up the mad ants to Indianapolis and ha- allowed for those players to experience the St. Vincent center and what that NBA life is like. And they're, you guys played a big role in Victor Oladipo's rehab and his return um, last year. And those are the type of little things that are big things. I think that we're all missing out on um, right now. And I do laugh. You mentioned Chad and the Iowa guys with Chad and, um, <laughs> and, and Nate, obviously, and their um, big connection um, with all of that. As we wrap up here, I'm just curious, any final thoughts about just this Mad Ant season and the uniqueness that you guys had to, um, adapt to fortunately it didn't seem like there was any kind of outbreak or or nothing like that that the nba put on yet another successful event there at disney world no it was definitely they did they uh they made sure that we were you know doing what we're supposed to do from a health standpoint to make sure that we get all these games the nba ops crew and everybody who had a hand in this they they absolutely wanted to do things the right way and didn't want to come down here and then have it all blow up in the middle so you know, they made sure people followed the guidelines and they were strict and they were thorough. And uh, sometimes it felt a little bit much, but at the same time, like that's the kind of level of commitment that we all needed to have for the season to, to kind of, you know, be able to go off this way. So um, it, it's definitely a unique year. One I'll, I'll never forget, um, you know, kind of right there with the G league season during the NBA lockout in 2011, uh, probably the two yeah. most crazy G league experiences that I've had. Um, but you know, we feel fortunate that, you know, the Pacers saw the value in doing this, that, you know, 17 other G league teams saw the value in doing this, that the league saw value in doing this and, and we could play. And, um, you know, just want to thank everybody from, uh, Mr. Simon to KP and Chad and everybody for the support and, uh, the, the willingness to, to invest in the, in the future of, uh, our young guys. Where do you turn your focus? Where's your workload now go to? Is it scouting the NCAA tournament and watching film? Yeah, we'll, we'll, definitely start doing that stuff there there's some back-end stuff that we'll need to do um you know from a standpoint of from staff and players and putting some programs together some notes together we'll do some virtual exit meetings and sure. things like that to make sure everyone's on the same page with their feedback and what they need to be working on because this might be an extent you know another extended break for some of these g league guys where you know if there is a summer league let's say in august or whatever you know there's a nice little stretch of five months where they need to know where their focus should be, what they need to work on both physically with their games um, and, and things like that. So there's definitely plenty to do to make sure that those guys are prepared moving forward. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll turn our focus to to next year and, and start looking at some of these guys since we've been uh, literally in a bubble and, and not really <laughs> seeing too much college basketball. 
Yeah, I think we all look forward to the days where you can, I can go to the practice facility and see you and talk with Ryan and talk with all those guys. Having Nate Bjorkman's the new Pacers coach, still haven't even met him in person or any of his staff. <laughs> that's how bizarre this has been. I'm okay. not even allowed in the building either right now. I'm not in Tier 1 or Tier 2, so that's how that's how it goes now, and, and in the future, hopefully, we can all be in there. Yeah, you need that Tier 1 uh, red uh, credential. I'm, I yeah. think I'm green or yellow, so uh, that's what it works. But, Brian, thanks for taking time in your hotel room, and uh, congrats on making it through the season and look forward to uh, brighter days here this summer. I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks. And that wraps up this episode with Cassius Stanley and with Brian Levy. The Skills Challenge begins Sunday night around 6.30 on TNT. That'll be followed by the three-point shootout and then the All-Star Game. It says around 8 p.m., but let's be realistic, probably more like 8.30 after singing and team introductions and such. The dunk contest at halftime, that will probably be around 9.30 or 10 p.m., and it's all on TNT. Thanks for listening to this Fieldhouse Files podcast, and for all who subscribe to read my work at fieldhousefiles.com, I can tell you honestly, it means the world to me that you read, that you subscribe, and you support my work, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Very soon.